We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. Aloha. Welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast, which is a ministry of the laymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology to encourage Christians for everyday life. Um, amongst your neighbors, your colleagues, your family, your friends, your enemies, your frenemies. Um, I'm Jason Estopal. I'm a business process analyst and a YWAMer here in Kona, Hawaii. <clears throat> and on the other line is Dr. Gordon D. Nickel. Aloha, Dr. Nickel. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Hi there. Good to, good to join you and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been feeling this one. So uh, Dr. Nickel earned his PhD in Quranic studies, as in the Quran, the Quranic studies. Um, most recently was director of the Center for Islamic Studies at S-A-I-A-C-S, Syax, maybe? Is that the best way? Syax, yeah, that's good. In Bangalore, India. <clears throat> so he was on the ground, a practitioner, friends. Uh, yeah. He has taught in Canada, USA, Pakistan, Malaysia, and India. And he is the author and contributor to books and essays, including The Gentle Answer to the Muslim Accusation of Biblical Falsification, which is a powerful resource, um, now been translated in Korean and Mandarin Chinese, and looking towards translations in Telug Telugu and Telugu, Benali. right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 In, those are Indian languages. Yeah. Dialect. That's, that's right. And then also what we will be discussing today, the Quran with Christian commentary, a guide to understanding the scripture of Islam, which is Zondervan Academic 2020. Again, it's the Quran with Christian commentary, a guide to understanding the scripture of Islam. So I, as you guys know, I am also a YWAMer and I take teams out um, all over the world. And when I saw it's not just a book on Islam, but there's a Christian commentary, super, super helpful. So wanted, uh, wanted to get Dr. Nickel on, on the line. So super excited about that. So having said that, for most Christians listening to this, this podcast right now, my assumption would be that their only sort of like point of reference for Islam in the Quran is 9-11 and, and terrorism and maybe like the enemies on like you know, Netflix movies or whatever, whereas it used to be <laughs> Russia like 30 years ago. So my, I got kind of a few questions here. How have those events and those realities affected the way that we currently view Islam? And then having said that, if we don't know any Muslims, um, what's our motivation to learn about their beliefs and the Quran? Well, the first question is a good one. Uh, what, what did those events have to do with our uh, trying to learn about Islam. Yeah, I remember those days. I was in India at the time, actually, when 9-11 happened. Uh, what I saw was many Americans and others around the world sort of asked, Islam, like, what's that? And then the question came up, is this a peaceful religion or is it a, a violent religion? And so uh, uh, people started looking into that. And something interesting happened since then. Uh, Jason, is that in, in academia, in universities, the experts on Islamic studies sort of felt, hey, this is our territory and we need to, uh, you know, we need to defend it. Uh, 
And they started to take what was being said in public and sort of give their own uh, take on it to say, uh, you know, this is an interesting religion. We need to study it. You know, don't say bad things about Islam. Mm-hmm. Don't. And uh, so it both both things happened actually. They, as you say, uh, there was a, a, a reaction from most people. But uh, it's interesting what's happened in what we call academia in the in the universities and how they've come to uh, explore the topic. Yeah, I was actually reading. Uh, an essay you had written um, last, I was reading it last night. It was on the Quran and you basically said a lot of, um, you know, sort of these, the scholastics or whatever, they're willing to like be critical in the, by critical, we meaning like, you know, engaging the text or whatever, um, as far as like history and these other things, but not really touching the religion. So I appreciate you, you kind of, you're very gentle but you're, you're all right with not being PC in that sense. So brother, we appreciate that. <laughs> um, so you've devoted so much of your life to creating informed discussion amongst Christians and Muslims. So Mike, I'm just curious, like what set you on this path? And to write a Christian commentary on the Quran seems like no small undertaking from, man, from where did this zeal come from? Well, it started uh, actually more than 30 years ago, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a journalist working, uh, working with English words in, in Canada. And uh, my wife and I had a call to uh, take the good news of Jesus mm-hmm. to other people. And so our church had a, had a mission that was really looking into what are good places for uh, what are what are places of need that need that kind of witness? And we ended up in Pakistan. Now, the mission said, we want you to know something about Islam before you get there, because this is this is the religion there. You know, we're talking about 90, 97 percent of the population identify as Muslims. So they gave me a good chance to to learn that over the course of a year. And then we took that into practical service of getting to know Muslims, of living among Muslims, of, um, you know, being in the same community, learning their language, their dress, learning uh, the, the things that, that Pakistanis really liked, what could we also enjoy. And so um, from that, then learning the language of Urdu, which has an Arabic script, I thought, boy, why don't I try to get to... Uh, read the source books of Islam in the Arabic language, which uses the same script. And so that's what I did Mm. about uh, 20 years ago now. And so since then, getting a lot of chances to speak, to write, and to serve in mission in India and other places. I think I recall like, I don't know, maybe five years ago, like a Dutch newspaper creating some caricatures of Muhammad or something like that. And then like violence came against them and so for you as one who's who speaks out but not in like i mean you're you are a gentle person but like you're 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 taking every argument captive right um is there danger for you like when you said you lived in pakistan my first modern 2020 sensibility says oh i would never go there unless there was like the lord woke me up in the middle of the night i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i hear you well um my wife and i sort of had a deal that if we can keep our children with us, we had three little ones, when we, when we go, uh, we're going to uh, 
uh, accept that. And so it was a tough assignment, uh, as you say. Uh, at the same time, you know, if your mind is to get in with the people, to love the people, and uh, to love some of the things they love, uh, uh, that was that the Lord made that possible for us. So our, our children are playing with the Muslim kids in the neighborhood, running around, and we're learning the language. We're, we're putting on Christmas programs for our, our Muslim neighbors, that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Sure, sure it is. And for, for diplomats, it's considered a hardship post. <laughs> but uh, for us who share the good news of Jesus, we say, hey, the Lord can help us live well and live happily, uh, happily anywhere. <laughs> Amen, man. Have you, have you ever encountered anyone like there or in all of your time, um, even if someone wrote you or anything, who ended up like fully rejecting or maybe seriously beginning to even just question their belief in Islam or points of the Quran? Yeah, you know, when we, when we make friendships with Muslims and we, we get to that point where we can really share what we believe, mm. uh, often, Jason, it's, it's not in a crowd. Um, if you're talking to your friend with an audience, uh, he's probably going to defend Islam. He wants to, to look good in those eyes. But if you're, say, on the beach along the, uh, you know, Makrani coast there that, that looks on, onto the uh, Arabian Sea, and there's nobody around, uh, you can start talking deeply about your faith. And uh, that's when you find very open faith conversations with our Muslim friends. Awesome. That's cool. What, so getting sort of into the nitty gritty, what does, what claims does the Quran make about itself and, and what claims do others make about it? Well, um, briefly, it's, it's a book that comes out of the 7th century AD. So what, um, 1400 years ago, around that. Uh, it's a book that, that comes from the Middle East. Now, um, Muslims believe that it was revealed. They say Allah revealed these words to Muhammad. Now, not all scholars are, are clear on that. There's a lot of questions about that. And there's not a lot of um, actual evidence to go on in the seventh century to know whether that happened or not. But when you read the Quran, you find probably three main uh, claims. Uh, one is that, uh, as we said, this, this is revealed. So these words are from the almighty creator God. And uh, Muslims call that God Allah. A second, that the messenger, in, in the Quran, it's the messenger. The name of Muhammad actually doesn't come up a lot in the Quran, four times. Uh, it's, it's, uh, but that's what Muslims believe. Uh, the messenger reveal, uh, received this revelation from God. And so then you have the, the claim for the Quran that it is God's word. And then finally, um, that Islam is the religion for the whole world. Islam, an Arabic word meaning submission or surrender. Mm. And so Muslims take that in a theological direction, submission to Allah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the religion. That, that religion is now the religion for the whole world, not Judaism, uh, not Christianity, not the Zoroastrians or anybody else, 
but Islam. So those are those are big claims, aren't they? Yeah. So in the like for us in the Christian tradition, we have the old like our Bible, our scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then we've got you know chapters and verses we've got in the New Testament four gospels and then you've got you know and then you got acts then you've got the longest to shortest um letters from paul you know so far there's a structure is there a structure in the way that the quran is put together yeah good point pointing out uh, the letters of paul also uh, jason in the old testament where we have the prophetic books from isaiah onward right that too is is uh you know an organizational scheme that favors the the big ones up front right mm. and then the shorter ones as you get uh onto malachi so um what the earlier muslim early muslims did to arrange the quran they took that scheme and they said we'll arrange it from longest to shortest and uh 114 chapters or surahs they call them surahs and it starts out with a very short prayer and then from two on to 114 it's generally getting smaller that was a scheme it's not a it's not a chronological scheme it's uh it's another idea of how to organize scripture so if someone was to i know it's really hard but to like not have any a priori assumptions they just lived on a desert never met anyone um you know, but uh, the Quran ended up on their lap. And if they were to read it with like a complete open mind as much as possible, never heard of Islam or Christian before, what would like the main takeaways be as the big picture? Like, what is this book about? Yeah, hey, that's a good uh, scenario. And it, what it brings to mind is, I think, uh, now you said they, they didn't know other scriptures. Is that right? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, if they knew other scriptures, they might say, hey, this is, this is sort of scriptural stuff. This mm. is like prophetic speech or an oracle or, or commandments or something like that, right? So they'd know something to identify it with. If they didn't know that scriptural tradition at all, uh, they'd, they'd be a little lost because the Quran in many ways really depends on the Bible. It's, the Bible's always in the background. It's mm -hmm. the backdrop. Uh, that's not to say that the Quran follows the Bible, but it, it certainly uh, bounces off the Bible. Mm. And uh, there's other ways of, of describing the relationship with it. And so that, uh, that person on the desert island uh, would be pretty confused because, as we said, it's not chronological. So it's not a story like, say, a gospel or the book of Acts right it's 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 not like that we're um so uh, probably be pretty pretty confused and not <laughs> not have the uh not have the story or the what we call the the narrative uh context for mm. what's going on here mm. and uh so yeah interesting to think of that that person on the island reading the quran how about a um what even is just as in general, assuming this person was somehow, you know, they, they knew, they knew the Bible, they knew the Book of Mormon, they knew the, you know, they knew all these other, other scriptures, um, and they kind of came to it open, if you will. What are, 
what is the main, like, what's the thesis of this book or what, what, what are they being commanded or suggested to do? What, what, what is the telos? What, like, what would they say is the chief end of man, if you will? Like, what is, what is it all about? Yeah. Wow. Good questions, uh, Jason. I think that if they knew the Bible, then they'd find many stories within the Quran that have familiar characters. So for example, the figure of, of Moses is a big character in, in the Quran. Uh, Abraham's big. Uh, you've got Noah there. You've got um, David and Solomon. Uh, you've got uh, Joseph. One of the chapters is, is all about Joseph. So you see, these are characters that we know well from, from the Bible. And there might be uh, the question, okay, well, I see, I see the link here, but why is this story told like a little different yeah. from what, I, what I've heard? That, that question would come up. It, uh, it's an interesting question to mm. ask about the story of Joseph. I mean, uh, a lot of young Christians uh, learn this story, you know, before they're 10, because it's a, it's a good story, isn't it? And... Um, so many would, uh, would read the, uh, the account in the Quran and say, okay, hmm, where did these details come from? I better flip back to Genesis to see, was that really there? You mm. know, it, it, it would bring that kind of uh, reaction to some. Sure. Now, um, if, if I went out evangelizing, you know, like old school fanny pack, some like Gideon Bibles, I'd hand it to someone and say, hey, you should read this Bible because in here you will learn about the creator God. You will learn about creation, fall, redemption, and restoration for humanity under the, the ultimate human Jesus Christ and salvation for your soul, uh, the kingdom here and the kingdom come. Would there be a, a, a one-liner or two-liner that that uh, um a Muslim would tell me after they handed me the Quran or would they even do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that follows on your, your earlier question. And uh, I want to explore that a little bit more in their minds, very likely um, the Quran is, is the new revelation from God that um, so, sort of supersedes or abrogates or even cancels out. The earlier, uh, the earlier revelations, they might uh, call them. And so uh, the, the friend that's giving you a copy of the Quran sometimes will say, hey, you've read the, the Old and the New Testament. Uh, why don't you read the Final Testament? That this mm. book was revealed mm. uh, six, 600 years after your gospel. Mm. So um, why don't you get up to date see what the Quran says about those earlier scriptures. And it does uh, mm -hmm. say quite a bit about them. And uh, the program now is both political and religious. Interesting. Uh, the Quran, Quran itself uh, doesn't distinguish those things. Wow. And in the, in the story that Muslims tell about Muhammad, they said he started out in a town where he didn't have any power uh, Mecca, and then moved over to Medina. And in, in Medina, the people gave him political power. They liked him. And so from that point on, he was uh, building a bit of an empire. 
and uh, that was in Central Arabia, according to their story. Um, the, the thought is that that conquest continued on uh, into the Byzantine world, that was a big, uh, quote, Christian power at the time, and into, the, uh, into Iraq and Iran, where the um, Zoroastrians were, were living. And they, they conquered both those powers. They took that land. I mean, this, this is part of the story, and they don't distinguish bringing a, a religious message along with a, a political conquest. So perhaps this is something that would be in the mind of your friend. Um, the program's a little different from what Jesus said when Jesus said, well, you know, um, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's right. and, and give to God the things that are God. Well, why do you separate that? Wow. If it's, if it's uh, you know, if it's a great message, if it really is the final testament, why wouldn't you take it out into the world uh, using whatever means? Mm, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I could even see that sort of logic. Is there like a, a John three sixteen surah? We have John. For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten Son, that whoever perish not. You know, do they? Ha you think that they have a default one, or is it just kind of the book? They do have favorites, certainly. Yeah, they have favorites that uh, say in a positive way what they believe. Uh, and, you know, these are things that many readers can identify with that aren't Muslims. The idea of a creator God who creates the world, creates humanity, and looks for a response of uh, obedience and maybe even love from humanity. Mm. Um, now, that's the message to humankind, but uh, humanity usually ends up resp responding badly and going in the other direction. This, that would be a, a basic uh, message. And the mm -hmm. Quran has a lot of uh, scenes of what it will be like after death, after the day of resurrection, when humanity is judged. And so it's quite graphic about, uh, about hell and it also talks about heaven and how those who were obedient, those who believed and did good works uh, would uh, be in a, a garden of earthly delights. Mm -hmm. so, so both of those pictures are filled out in the Quran. So this might be one, uh, one way of answering that. Is there sort of a basic John 3.16? Uh, but just to maybe give an idea there, Jason, um, the Quran never, never talks, it never tells its reader to love God or to love people. Mm. Uh, it, it does talk about um, Allah loving different kinds of people, but also not loving other kinds of people. So there's, you know, those who do good deeds, uh, Allah loves. Mm. Those who, for example, are proud, Allah definitely doesn't love them. And the Quran's explicit about that. And so um, John 3.16 would have a problem there. Mm. It would have, a, have also a problem with son of God. And mm. you're asking about uh, maybe witnessing with friends. Uh, you got to be prepared. Um, mm. What if you say, hey, you know, God really loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his only son 
into the world to die. Now, if it's a if a, if it's a Muslim that knows his or her stuff, they'll they'll stop you on those two points. They'll say, first of all, he's not the son of God, and don't say that. That's blasphemy. Then he'll say, and you know what? He didn't. He also didn't die. So you guys, <laughs> you guys are wrong on both. And so, uh, you know, the 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 young people that who are going into these contexts, they need to be prepared for that. Mm. And then they need to think creatively. Okay, how do you move this? How do you move this conversation forward? Mm. You might say, hey, it says says that in the Bible. And your friend might say, well, okay, but the the, the Bible is falsified and corrupt. <laughs> and so, where do you go next? Right, right, Jason? Yeah, no, that's good. That's th that's why this interview, um, a bunch of your books and a bunch of your articles. I did sort of this last thing of how it's viewed is um, what does the the laity um, Muslim like? How do are they reading their scriptures every day? Um, what are, are are they understanding it? Are they reading commentaries with it? Are they um, and what's what's taught at like their gathering? Do they have the equivalent of our church? Can you give us like some parallels of how, how we normally see like devotionals and quiet times? And are they talking about, I guess this is a four part question <laughs> or three part. Do they talk about salvation or no longer being enemies with God or yeah? Well, uh, remind me if I forget any parts of, of your question there, hmm. Jason. But there is something roughly comparable to our, our gathering on Sunday, and that is um, um, going to the mosque around noon on Friday. And so the men of a locality, including shopkeepers and people who are busy, will, will put down their, their work and they'll come. And so they'll, they'll go through a prayer ritual, which is very important. And uh, then often they'll hear a sermon. So mm -hmm. the, the sermon, the, the text of the sermon would be recited from Arabic, the Quran, and then the sermon would be in the local language. And so the, the one who's actually giving this kind of teaching tends to be the leader, who say Imam or a Molvi or a Molana. These are uh, leaders within the, the religious community. Uh, but remember, most Muslims don't know Arabic, right? So Islam is spread out throughout Asia, for example. Uh, people in the Middle East, uh, they'll know Arabic, but often not the difficult classical Arabic that the Quran's written in. That's mm. a sort of a, uh, maybe a misconception. But say they're from Pakistan, which has a huge number of uh, Muslims. India, which has about the same amount, or Bangladesh. Uh, among those nations, there might be 400 million Muslims. And so um, they, don't, they don't know Arabic. They don't grow up with Arabic. But uh, many young people, many kids will go to the mosque after school and learn how to recite the, the Quran in Arabic. So picture that, uh, Jason, that our kids, after school, they go to the church and learn how to recite the new testament in greek you picture that that's insane yeah <laughs> and the the goal the goal is to memorize and recite the whole thing oh wow <laughs> do they succeed 
many do and then they get they get a name uh, they even get a special name hafiz which uh, sort of marks them as uh, they've had they, they're protectors and uh, they've memorized the Quran wow and so yeah <laughs> what are what are some of the issues or um that even Mus Muslims must like themselves, they must concede as far as the Quran perhaps being an error or falsification or ahistorical. Uh, the tendency among Muslims is to is just to really feel good about the Quran and their religion and their leaders. Uh, there's not the same sort of uh, freedom to question mm. that that we're used to, um, and. Um, this is, for example, about the Quran, the, the theory is that it's revealed, it's, it's speech from Allah, it's perfect speech. That is, no human could have actually thought this up and written it, is one of the, the beliefs of Muslims. It's, it's, it's miraculous. It's, it's, um, it's got the stamp of the divine on it. And you, we talk about sometimes the language of jots and tittles that is little markings and so on. The, the, the belief is that all those little pointings are, are from Allah. And the whole thing is just completely true mm. and completely miraculous. And um, we might want to talk about this a little bit, but it, it's really interesting, Jason, on, um, on social media, on Twitter, there's been a discussion especially during the last, uh, this last year of Muslims and non-Muslims talking about how the Quran came to be. And some are suggesting doubts. And it's sort of exploded on social media um, that the story of how the Quran came to be isn't quite what we've believed, this sort of thing. So you can wow. see that opening up all kinds of uh, conversation all kinds of doubts, all kinds of uh, mm. trouble for many people who have believed that the Quran actually is just, just perfect in mm. every way. So like when you, I know a little bit about Mormonism. And so as you recall, like th they have the Bible, the King James Version Bible, and then they have um, like the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine, the Covenants, and the Book of Mormon just reads a lot like a bible just sort of the same language of narrative and you know whatever um and then and then like i said these other writings um i think it's for me personally it's been futile trying to discuss doctrine with with mormons however if i focus in on the historical falsifications of the um of like the 1830 edition Book of Mormon, how it was translated, um, the original version verse that, that they themselves printed versus the one that is standard now, um, the historical realities begin to, um, for people who are sort of open, call into question, is there a, a like a low-hanging fruit that if Christians wanted to engage polemically with uh, Muslims, one that they should sort of hang on to? And is there one they should not touch? Like the Trinity and the, with Mormons and Christians, it's like, you're just going to go round and round and round. But is there one specific one 
I almost think like that actually might be one for ism. I don't know, but yeah, any, any thoughts on that of a great point of point of contact to, to really try to address, address the situation? Yeah. Um, many who speak with Muslims uh, might start from these stories of the prophets that we have in common. Mm. So uh, talk about um, that line of prophets uh, leading up to Christ and um, there, there might be a response in the Muslims. Okay, I, I've heard of, uh, so if you say Hazrat Musa salam, in, in India or Pakistan, then they say, okay, he's talking about the same Moses that, that I know. And it's, it's like a point of contact for your conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that sometimes you do hit different topics that, that are troublesome for Muslims. Mm-hmm. And there may be a lot of misunderstanding there. Um, but I wouldn't say you shouldn't talk about it. You know, the, the, the topics that maybe are the toughest are the ones that might be most meaningful mm. in, in how uh, Muslims would actually come to follow Christ. Uh, mm. So what I always say is uh, don't, don't avoid it. Uh, if, if son of God is a problem, explain it what what do you mean by son of god like uh sort of uh take apart the misunderstanding and put in its place a biblical understanding now the muslim might still say hey you know i don't i don't agree with this because you're talking about jesus being divine you're talking about the deity of jesus i Mm -hmm. i totally don't i totally Mm -hmm. don't agree with that okay but at least you've explained it in the way that say the gospel according to john explains it what is the son of God? Why do we call Jesus the son of God? Why did God the father at the baptism and at the, mm. at the transfiguration mm. call Jesus his son, right? I mean, that's, that's what needs to come out. And uh, I know like one of my best friends in India uh, came from that background. This was the big problem for him to come to Christ. You've got to explain son of God to me. And mm. not, many, not many of us do. <laughs> not many of us can yeah and- well that was sort of that leads into my next question and it's in in the comment in the com oh yeah in the commentary you guys you have a few um actually a fair amount of sort of essays and a few one that i wanted to highlight to the listener is like sort of their view on creation salvation eschatology jihad the death of jesus and the son of god um Man, I, we're obviously not going to have time to hit all those, but I, I was just wondering if you could maybe hit, um, yeah, just what is the, what is a Muslim's view of the Son of God and the death of Jesus? Maybe, maybe we could hit those two. And what, what, what might a conversation look? What, what were some of the conversations that you had with some of these folks back and forth of the? In, in regards to the son of God and the death of Jesus and just even Jesus's claims. Yeah. Well, we've talked about son of God a little bit. And uh, I, th- I think that explaining the, the biblical meaning of son of God uh, can, can find a hearing. Um, after all, the, the Bible is, is, is living and active and it has spiritual power. And so um rather than our own opinions or say our own philosophies, we don't advance that. We, we, we speak from scripture because scripture uh, has power. The word of God has power. And so we rely on that. 
we know that there's a, a spiritual direction there, mm. a dimension there. Uh, but Son of God uh, is, is very important for lifting Jesus up as he deserves to be lifted up uh, and yeah. for uh, showing his, his deity and, and giving the, uh, the meaning to John 3.16. You know, why, how much did God love us, right? Mm. He, he did something in history uh, by sending his son in, you know, in, in, a, in a place that's sort of the meeting of Europe, Europe and Asia and Africa, like right in the middle of things in the Roman Empire um, that had a really good uh, communication system. You, you know all this uh, background. But uh, explaining Son of God explains to about the love, right? Often love of God goes together with Son of God and uh, then his death. Um, and I can uh, at least uh, tell a, an anecdote or two about that, Jason. Um, when you're not, al not able to uh, depend on the Bible, that is your Muslim friend says, I don't actually accept your Bible as authoritative for true. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's falsified, it's corrupted. Well, how do you do this? And uh, the, so the Quran, uh, what Muslims get from the Quran is that Jesus didn't die at all. He was taken up to heaven when he was in a challenging situation before his death. And one of my friends in Karachi, Pakistan, uh, um, a national Christian, he was in a mosque. He was talking with the leader of the mosque and had a bit of an audience. And he says, okay, when Jesus died or didn't die, who was around to see whether it happened or not. Well, were the Jews there? Yeah, the Jews were there, right? Uh, were the Romans there? Yeah, the Romans were around. Were the Christians there? Yeah, the followers of Jesus were there too. So is that, is that a good summary, those three groups? Yep, yep. So uh, my friend went ahead and said, okay, what, it, what did the Jews say? Well, the Jews said uh, he died but the disciples stole his body, right? Okay, okay. What did uh, the Romans said? say? The Romans said, of course he died. Every human dies. Uh, no human rises from the dead. And uh, what did the Christians say? Well, they said he died. He truly died. And he rose on the third day. And so my friend then asked the leader of the mosque, okay, those three groups, uh, what did they agree on? Those, those were the witnesses of the happening. What did they agree on? Okay, they agreed that he died. They were different about the resurrection, mm -hmm. but they all agree, agreed that he died. Those mm -hmm. were the ones that saw it. So what you're doing is sort of taking it outside of the Quran and even outside of Bible verses. Yeah. And you're saying, uh, you're, you're, you're letting people picture the scene the concept of witnesses, etc., and appealing to them in that way. Mm. That's that's compelling. Um, yeah. <laughs> what can you speak to? Like I said, uh, maybe on two. Um, there's an article on creation. I, I always find that important because creation is such a a foundational reality. Um, you know, in the doctrine of creation in the Christian life. I'm just curious what the uh what the 
what the Quran speaks to as far as creation. Yeah, uh, thanks for pointing to that article that's in, in, the, in the commentary written by a, a scholar from Nottingham in England, uh, John Hoover, who knows uh, Arabic very well. I, I felt when I was reading the Quran and also writing about the Quran that I had to acknowledge the things that, that I believe are good, right? Just yeah. because we don't believe in something, we don't have to just talk about uh, what we believe to be the bad things. Mm. Uh, give credit where it's due. And I found that what the Quran says about the creator, uh, and really some of the passages in, in the peaceful surahs, uh, Jason, uh, I, I pointed to that when I uh, corresponded with you, the peaceful surahs that are preaching uh, without any suggestion of violence or force, right? Uh, many of these surahs have a beautiful description of the, the, the creation of the creator, the, the things that the, the creator has made. And then it says, okay, now we'll, are you going to pay attention to that? If this, is the, if this is the one who created you, what's the right response? Well, I, I agree with that as a Christian. I think that's a great uh, place to start. And so uh, that's what I did in the commentary. Whenever I came to a text like that about the creator, I thought, listen, this is good. And uh, so I, I always highlighted that when so I good. came to those passages. Yeah, so good. That, yeah, you, when you image bearing and creation any like inroad you know it's not just a a clever way to evangelize but i mean i think it was augustine who said all truths god's truth right and so you could and clearly if they sort of have that same reference point of the, you know of the creation story from the old testament um when you personally read the quran and sort of read between the lines you know what are you seeing? What do you sort of piece together? I know it's kind of vague, but you, you kind of follow what I'm asking there? Yeah, I think I can, uh, well, correct me if I get on the right, uh, wrong track here, Jason. Um, when I read it and also wanted to write on it in, a, in this way as a commentary, I noticed there's a lot of language that is sort of... Um, self-reflexive or it's 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 talking about like the quran talking about itself the quran talking about the messenger right the a lot of statements claiming 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 for truth in the quran and i really saw the the attention that the messenger was getting uh, a lot of statements about the messenger now muslims believe this messenger was muhammad uh, who they say lived in the early part of the seventh century. So from, they say from 570 to uh, 632. And so I, I really saw there, Jason, that claims are be, being made for another figure. That is, uh, Jesus is sort of uh, knocked down from where he is in the gospel. So he's not the savior. He's not divine. He's not the son of God. He's not the Lord. And in place of that, it, another figure is coming up mm. uh, with claims for the messenger, right? And so 
there's, there's an undercurrent throughout the Quran that the one you should really be paying attention to is not Jesus, but Muhammad. Mm. Um, that, that, that line of prophets from Adam and all the way through, um, Muslims say Jesus or Isa is among them. That doesn't end with Jesus. It continues on for 600 years to Muhammad. And so they say, I, they believe strongly, don't stop with Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Jesus points toward Muhammad, some say. Um, so that's a tough one. That's, that's a teaching that I found coming out as, I was, as I've studied it, as I've taught it, and now as I've written a commentary on it, um, is the place of Jesus being taken by another or is the place of Jesus being claimed by people for another? Each of those, I think, is significant. And that, that goes pretty deep, doesn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a spiritual matter. It's a, it's a dimension of the discussion that is really, really tough. Hmm. There's a clash. There's a clash of loyalties. To whom should we be loyal as Lord? to see, you know, to watch that person and do whatever that person does, mm -hmm. obey what he says and obey uh, and follow his life. Who is that person? Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me that um, the Quran was making an effort to say, it's, it's not the Jesus you think it's this other figure, right. the, this, this, this figure from Arabia that right. you should be, you should be obeying now and following. Yeah, you and along those lines, you said that um, a fair portion of the Quran, I think you said the first major portion, I think you said, is sort of a polemic against Jews and Christians. Um, do they bring up any good points? Like, where do they kind of, did they ever stump you? Like, ooh. <laughs> well, I'm probably pretty easy to stump. <laughs> uh, but... Uh... The, the polemic, as you say, in the second surah, uh, Muslims believe against the Jews in the third surah. This is right at the front of the book, uh, third surah about the Christians. And so uh, both of these groups are sort of taken to task for how they're living, for how they don't have the truth, for how they're not the descendants. They're not the, uh, Abraham doesn't belong to them. It belongs to uh, mm. Muslims. Um, at the time in the seventh century when uh, Islam arose, here's a, here's a stumper. Um, there were three main groups of Christians in the Middle East. Uh, one was the sort of Byzantine type Christians. Um, another was in Egypt called Manufusite, saying that Jesus did ha just had one single uh, nature. And then there were the Nestorians in places like uh, Iraq and Iran. Um, the Quran sometimes says, hey, you guys are fighting. You guys are confused. You guys aren't agreeing. Um, wow. I guess we have to take that once in a while, don't we? <laughs> uh, you know, where, where you're not putting forward a united witness to say, mm -hmm. we, love each, we love each other and we're working together, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, that is a message that comes from the Quran that I said in my commentary, hey guys, good point, sorry about that. Right. I mean, I, I, wish it, I wish Christians had 
to this point treated you the way their Lord and Savior mm-hmm. would, would treat you, mm-hmm. you know, with, with love and concern mm-hmm. and, and patience and mercy and all the rest. And so maybe that's, maybe there's a stumper, Jason. Right. So as I just, I got a few final questions left. And one of them was, you know, like as Christians reading the Bible, we have, we have, de- we have denominations and theological camps and hermeneutical camps like best ways to read the Bible. We have like dispensationalism, biblical theology, covenant theology, like a Christocentric reading. Are, are, is there one cohesive top down? This is the way we read it. Are there other, are there camps out there? There are, there are different groups of Muslims. The, the one that's best known is the Sunni, which is the large group that sort of follows Muhammad. And then there's the Shia, who they like Muhammad too, but they like um, a relative Muhammad named Ali. And so they give a higher profile to Ali than uh, Sunni Muslims do. And, that's, and that break seemed to start after the conquest when the Arab troops were, were conquering land. They were bringing the, uh, all the things that they took from the people, they brought them back to headquarters. And there was a, there was a fight for authority and perhaps a, a fight for, you know, the treasures that were coming into the, the Muslim treasury. Um, but this thing about um, denominations and differences and diversity can be, can be over, uh, overemphasized. Um, most Muslims in the world are Sunni Muslims that say, 85%. They look to the Quran, they look to Muhammad. Um, They, uh, Islam is very traditional, Jason. It's not like we sit down for a Bible study and we read a chapter and, hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? You know, like we're all sort of pooling our ignorance, right? Uh, (laughs) For, for, sorry about that. Uh, For them, um, they, Look, they say, okay, what, what does this verse mean? They said, well, we have to check what the classical commentator said about this verse. So mm-hmm. the, they read the, the Quran traditionally rather than individually. Mm-hmm. And what does this verse mean? This verse means what it's meant for a thousand years. And they have, they have uh, those commentaries. I have a bunch of them with me in Arabic or other languages. Mm-hmm. And this is what the verse means. Okay. He said that. And uh, that's what it means. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's traditional. People uh, accept what comes from the past. Very mm. different from what many of us are nowadays saying, hey, but we, we don't appreciate the past. We want something new. I mean, that's, that's, that's the spirit that a lot of us come from. Muslims largely aren't like that. Mm. And so... So their leaders, say on Friday noon, will, will tell the meaning of that text as it's been passed on for generations and going back 1,200 years. So that's a big difference from, from our scene sometimes, isn't it? Sure. So if I am someone who, last question for you, if I'm someone who wants to wants to study the Quran, wants to, wants to be effective 
um, and, and just be familiar with it for, amongst my neighbors or if I go somewhere, what would we do? Like, what would we do? Uh, what are the emphasis? What are things we should be looking for or notating or like, what's the suggestion on reading, like reading it? I, I highly suggest obviously reading it along with your commentary because it makes sense because you sort of bridge the gap, you know, don't reinvent the will. But even, even, you know, after we've got that and we're as a reading, is there like sort of one thing that we should be focusing on and hitting on? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, the goal is to understand what's going in, on in somebody's mind mm. so that you can have a good, good relationship and good conversation with them. Right. Mm. And so making, making the effort to read the Quran for that, for that reason is, is a very good thing. Mm. Uh, we need people like that. We, we need people who understand what's in the Muslim mind. It, it tells you uh, where the need is. It tells you, it gives you ideas for a good conversation where you can find um, things in common to go forward with a conversation. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a very good thing to try to read it. But one thing I've suggested in the, in the um, introduction to the book, Muslims usually read the Quran with a story in mind. That is, the Quran doesn't supply the context. Some scholars have called the, the Quran a contextless book. Oh, See, wow. we're, we're so lucky, lucky. In our Bible study, we read, we read the book of Acts, and now we're going through uh, the letters of Paul from beginning to end. We, we got the context, right? Mm. Like, it's fantastic. But that, the Quran doesn't supply that. Mm. What supplies the story of Muhammad and the Muslims is other books written later, lit, it, perhaps 100 or 200 years later. And these books then say, okay, here's the story into which Allah dropped these revelations. And so that's an idea for someone who wants to go a little deeper. Uh, what's the story that Muslims say makes up the narrative con uh, context of mm. all these verses? Yeah, uh, that could help. Um, yeah, what, what in particular could a person con uh, concentrate on? Yeah, per perhaps the things we have, going from the things that we have in common mm -hmm. through, yeah. to, through to something that, that maybe is a little tougher to talk about. Sure. So we, Jason, we build up the, the relationship so that when we get to tough subjects, there's, there's a safety net under controversial material. Mm. And, you know, good friends can talk about all kinds of things, right? But you don't expect people to be able to talk about very deep and controversial things uh, in the first meeting. Uh, there needs to be love. There needs to be a relationship there. There needs to be a real concern for the person. Uh, then a friendship can, can bear all kinds of uh, deep and interesting discussions. It's true wisdom. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Dr. Gordon D. Nickel, the author of The Quran with Christian Commentary, A Guide to Understanding the Scripture of Islam, Zonervan Academic 2020. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, just, I guess, close out this, like, I know you've got a bunch of articles out there. I don't know if you have anything coming, but is there anything else you might direct us to like that you've written or are writing or anything out there? Sure. Uh, one of the projects that I did uh, starting about nine years ago was a request to help people with the really tough questions that Muslims ask. And I, I didn't think I'd be doing something like that. I mean, I, I knew it was needed, but I didn't think I'd be the kind of person to write it. But some friends in, in India said, listen, we need your help. You, you've had the chance to study like we haven't, so help us out. And so my wife and I did that. We, uh, we basically quit our job in, in Vancouver and we went to uh, a kind of wild part of British Columbia. I'm looking out the window here. Uh, and for that purpose, to be able to write something that could help, to do the research. And so that, that book is called The Gentle Answer, like, uh, like you said, Jason. And um, nowadays it's the, it's the uh, translations that we're working with. But uh, that's, that's one project that uh, people might be interested in. If they if they like to uh, dialogue about those kinds of questions, we'll link link those up in the show notes. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for your um, yeah, just reaching out and sharing the good news, brother. Thank you. Yeah, glad to talk with you, Jason. We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad, we came to cheer the sad, we came to leave.